0: Jesus Christ. And if you're with me this morning, somebody said, amen, <clears throat> amen. This morning, we're going to title this message, I Call Him Father. we we'll talk about the fatherhood of God today. And uh, a father watched through the kitchen while his little son was out in the sandbox, and he had this big rock, and he was trying to roll it out, and he got to the edge, and he could not get it over the lip. And so that father watched him struggle and find that little boy just sat down and sat there and just kind of put his head down. And so dad goes out and uh, talking to his son, uh, and he said, well, what's wrong? You know, can't you lift this rock out of the sandbox? And little boy said, no, sir, I can't do it. And dad said, have you used all the strength that's available to you? And the little boy said, well, yes, sir. And he said, well, no, you haven't because you haven't asked me to help you. And I thought that's a powerful demonstration of what is it like that we have a Father in heaven that, who is willing to help us. And when sometimes we go through struggles and trials and we're trying to do things so much on our own, trying to get that rock out of that sandbox. And we use all the strength that we have. And our Father in heaven comes up to us and says, have you used everything I've given you? And we say, yes, sir. And he's like, but you haven't asked me to help you. Uh, it's, he is a good father, but what does it really mean today to call God father? And I'm going to challenge you today. Even as we leave this place, a lot of times when we pray, we pray Lord Jesus, God, but how many of us actually pray father? How many of us integrate father into our uh, relationship with him? And what does it mean to call him father? And what does it mean to be his child? And uh, calling God father, uh, today may not have the same connotation for everyone, Uh, Some people have been born with or raised with an abusive father or an absent father. Some fathers have worked too much and were not there during a lot of the early growing up years. And some fathers were were too worldly uh, and some fathers were too religious, too religious to have fun and be with their kids, Uh, were too holy to play play games and all those kind of things. Uh, Some fathers uh, have died too young and we have questions unanswered and memories that we've missed. And so for some, when we talk about God as Father, for some it can totally turn them off. For some of them it brings up feelings of remorse and loss. And some of us, uh, it brings good things because maybe we did have a good dad. But the word Father in the Greek is pater. From that we talk about paternal, Father. Uh, It means this, the ancestor of an offspring. So someone who begot somebody else. It means one who gives care and protection to someone or thing. And it means to a parent, to protect, to be the source or the originator of life. But the literal Greek word means this, and I love this. It says, one who imparts life and is committed to intimate connection and relationship. Dad, you need to take note of that. It's one who imparts life and is committed to intimate connection and relationship. It's someone who protects, who gives care, who gives life who is longing for a relationship with the one thing that He begot. And so we think about Father. What does it mean that God is our Father? God is the originator and the author of life. He is the giver of life, the source of life. He defines the rules. He sets the relationship. He put the boundaries in motion. He said what was good, pleasing, and perfect. He's the one that uh, gave everything life in the world today. But we look at our story. And our story is this, that man in a sense, rejected the fatherhood of God. From the very beginning in the garden, we said, God, you don't, you're not our source. You're not our supply. We're going to define our own relationships. We're going to say what's right and wrong. We're going to determine that we're good enough on our own to be just like you, apart from you. And so in trying to be like God, we in a sense fell from God. And the Bible says there's only two fathers you can have in this world today. One is God, the father, or the devil. And we learned real quick when we fell from that garden, that the devil is not a good father. That he, in a sense, cast us out. He cursed us. He he brought us into his own condemnation, his own curse. He led us astray. And we were, in a sense, fatherless. A fatherless humanity is fatherless, uh, abused by an evil father, Satan. And so, today, the Bible says this, that God longs to be a father to the fatherless. And God's big plan and His big master plan is to draw His children back to Himself. Those who would come by faith, be a child, be born again, and He would draw them to Himself. And no matter what your relationship has been with your Father on earth, your Father who is in heaven longs to protect you. He longs to care for you, provide for you. He longs to give you the fullness of life if this, if you're willing to be adopted into His family and be born again to leave the family that so willingly abused us, to follow our own dreams, we followed our own ambitions, we followed the devil, and all of his schemes and all of his plans, we fell fell into all of his traps. And if we would say, God, I choose to leave that style of life, come back to your fatherhood, and be made new, made made born again. And if that's your heart's cry, somebody said, "Amen." Amen. Okay, we want to be adopted by God, born again today, because God is the true giver of life. And so I'm going to talk about sonship a little bit. I'm going to give you five things today that we're going to talk about uh, just real quick. But this idea of what does it mean that God... Uh, can anybody call God Father? Can anybody just have that relationship with God? And what does it mean to be a son or daughter of the Most High God? This sonship idea comes from uh, this very beginning. This God who, who uh, from the very beginning, always desired this special relationship with His children. And He wanted to be that... Potter, who molded the clay. And it's kind of like when uh, dads, uh, you're raising your boy, you're raising your girl. You're uh, raising them to emulate you. you. They walk with you. You know, uh, my daughter Ari, uh, last night we were planting some trees that my parents bought for us for Father's Day. and She's out there digging the hole with me and putting the fertilizer. And, and just like a young little kid, they long to be like their father. And so God longs for this relationship that we're right there next to Him, walking with Him, doing what He's doing, not off doing our own thing. And we see this even as we see the nation of Israel develop. Okay, so we have this nation of Israel. God, by faith, chooses them through Abraham. And He tells them from the very beginning, He he wants this relationship with them. And the Bible says that out of Egypt, God called His son, Israel, Israel gets caught up in slavery in Egypt and God begins to deliver them and He calls them His son. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, that out of Egypt I called my son. What does that mean? That God, by His grace, loved them so that He would say, I want to dwell with Him. I want to be with Him. He calls them. He delivers them. He protects them. He guides them. He takes them to a place where it's just Him and them and they want to get along with Him. But yet, even still, there was something not right inside of Israel. Even though God had tried to take them from the father they had, the, the devil of this world, the Satan of this world, and from their own sinful nature, he brings them to himself and says, I want to father you, I want to protect you, I want to care for you, I want to be with you. They still in turn kept going back. It was like a runaway, runaway child. It was like a foster child. They never truly gave it all to that family. And that foster child Israel kept running back to what they knew running back away from God. Every time God would lovingly provide for them, every time God would care for them and guide them and give them instruction and direction and discipline, they would run from it because they'd never experienced that before in life. They never had a God who was so mighty and so powerful who would offer discipline and correction and reproof, but also give loving kindness and mercy and everlasting. Uh, he, they kept running. And God, in His mercy and His wisdom, kept loving even though he sought intimacy with them. And so all of Israel's history shows us, over and over again, God longed for this sonship with his people. And it never happened. We have glimpses of it for the different Old Testament fathers and prophets. But what God did is he sent us the perfect son to look at. We didn't know how to be with God. We didn't know how to respond to his love. We didn't know how to respond to his discipline. And maybe you're here today and you don't know that either. You never had a good dad. You didn't have a good home life growing up. You don't understand discipline. We don't understand perfect love. You don't understand someone who can really, truly forgive you. Someone who really can truly look past your faults. Maybe you've never experienced that before. Maybe you don't know what it's like. Uh, So when you think about God and we sing these songs, it doesn't really compute in your mind what it is to be truly loved with all that you have. It doesn't mean you don't understand what it means to be truly forgiven or or to even receive discipline and correction or follow authority because some of us have never had authority in our lives. And so God gave us the best thing we could ever have. He showed us what true sonship was like with Jesus Christ. So fast forward, we go to the first century, Jesus comes on the earth. And when few people had found this intimate relationship with God as a father, Jesus sets on the scene and he shows us this true relationship that God desired with his children. Like a good son... Jesus, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that he became the perfect radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. You know what that means? A good son looks like their father, right? Uh, if I, uh, I told this before, but years ago, uh, you know, my family moved to Missouri when I was like seven and a half, and we would come back for the summers uh, and stay, and I would stay in Oak Grove, Louisiana over the summers with my uh, cousins and stuff. And one day when I got old enough to drive, I came down. I was like 16, drove down, uh, and I stopped at this gas station uh, just inside the city limits of Eudora, Arkansas, which is where I was really raised. And I walked into this gas station. I'd been there in years. And I walked up to the teller, and I got my hot ham and cheese, and I would get up there, and she said, You're Mike Harris's son, aren't you? I didn't know who this lady was. I hadn't been in this town in you know years. I hadn't even grown up there. But because I look like my dad... She knew who I was because she knew my dad as a child. So she saw my dad in me. And that's the same way. Jesus, when we see Jesus on the earth, the Bible says He is the full radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, that in Him we saw God's grace, His love, and His truth. And so when you wanted to see the Father, Jesus said, look at me, I and the Father are one. And so we saw what the perfect Son looked like. We see Jesus communing with the Father. We see Jesus following the will of the Father. We see Jesus loving people like the Father loves them. We see Jesus delivering people of demonic oppression and healings and and all this stuff. And they showed us, like a good son, what it really meant to have a good father and be a good son. So if you want to know what it looks like to be a good kid, look at Jesus. And if you want to know what a good dad looks like, you can see him through his son. Does that make sense today? And we see that God, in His infinite wisdom, is trying to teach you and I something today. He wants to show you Himself through Jesus, number one. And He wants to show you what it looks like to be a good kid through Jesus as well. So you look to Jesus today, you're going to get two things. What does my dad really look like in heaven? Because I'm going to see him through the perfect son. And what does the perfect son look like? That's what I want to look like in myself today. So the perfect Son comes to show us a perfect Father. It becomes this revolutionary day. I'm talking a world-changing, universal, uh, shaking day when Jesus tells His followers in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, He says, I want you to pray to your Father in heaven like this. I want you to call Him Abba, which basically means Dad or Daddy or Papa or something. And so you would think me really weird today if I started saying, My Papa who is in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, right? Or My Daddy who's in heaven. But that would have been the same... Uh, we would be like, that's irreverent. That's unholy. That's not something we do here because God is God. But when Jesus said, Abba, they thought the same thing. Like, we can't have that relationship with God. We, God is God. He's the guy that burns fire on the mountains, kills people, you know, parts the Red Sea kind of God. You can't tell me I'm supposed to call that guy consuming fire Daddy, right? Because I know my Daddy... And he loves me and he beats me and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I know this guy on earth, but, but how can I call God dad? How can I call him papa or father? Maybe you get some of the little code names you had with your dad uh, or your, your grandpa. Ari calls uh, my dad uh, papa, and she calls uh, Beth's dad poggy. I don't know where it comes from. But anyhow, but it's like, you, would you call God a nickname like that? And, you know, I'm not saying that we should. But it's, this, it's not about the words you use. It's about the heart that you have a relationship with Him with. And so Jesus says, I want you to call Him Father, Abba, Dad. And so God, uh, through Christ, now opens this sonship to all people of faith. And what does that mean? God is desiring today to give you true life and to connect you to an intimate relationship with Him. That's the definition of Father. One who imparts life and is committed to intimate relationship and connection. You you may not know that from your original parents. Someone who imparts not just the life, but an intimate relationship and connection. One who protects and provides. That's what God did through Jesus Christ. He wanted to know you. I think you need to understand that today. It's not about a religion or a tradition or a service or a concept or a tradition. God really wants to have one-on-one relationship with you in an intimate way. And he showed you through Jesus Christ who he was, and he showed you through Jesus Christ who you should be, a good son and a good father, a good daughter and a good father. I'm going to give you five things to take home with you today about what is, how can you really call God Father, and not anybody can do it. Number one is this, you must be of him. In order to call God Father, number one, you must be of him. Not everyone in the world can call God father, because not everyone in the world is a child of God. How do you become a son or daughter of God? John chapter one, look there with me. John chapter one, verse twelve. And then you can turn with me to Romans chapter eight, verse twelve as as well. Romans uh, chapter eight, verse twelve, and John chapter one, verse twelve. Number one, if you want to call God father, you must be of him. Let's read this. John chapter one says this but as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority or the privilege, get that. The right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. What does that mean? As many who has received His fatherhood, He gives you the right, He's freely given to become a child of God, if you believe. But it doesn't end there. Watch this. Verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What does that mean today? What does that mean today? Because like Israel, you could accept God and who He was. Everybody knows God is God. I mean, you, I mean, even the demons know who God is, but they don't receive Him in authority or follow Him in love. And so we could all acknowledge Jesus Christ came on the earth, that there is a God somewhere out there, and we may or may not be able to know Him. But that doesn't mean we're sons or daughters, or that we can call Him Father to Father, be a father, and a son is this. It says that you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit, meaning you must become of Him. Just like I have the DNA of my Father on the earth here, in my body, in my blood, I must now get the DNA of my Father in heaven to be a child. So I must be what? Born again. And so number one is this, I must come to Him. If you look at that, that passage, it says they must receive Him I must leave the fatherhood of the devil. I must leave the abandonment and rebelliousness of my nature to father myself. And I don't need a dad like some children today think they don't need parents. They don't need authority. We all are that way as sinners. And we all must say, I leave control of my life. I leave my own authority and turn back to the father who is the true authority and the perfect father of my life. So I repent of my sins. I come to him. I receive him. That's the first part. Number two, so I come. Number two is believe. I believe that He is a good God, that He does love me, that He does care for me. I believe that Christ's work alone grants me the rights of adoption into His family. Romans 8.15, that's where He says, I'm, I'm coming. We're going to read that in a second. But we're coming and being adopted into His family. And so through faith alone, God grants me the right to be a son or daughter. Galatians 3.26. So I come, I believe, and then I'm born The Holy Spirit, when you come to God, you repent and you come by faith, believing that Jesus Christ alone is enough to get you adopted into God's family. Something supernatural happens. It says that you are born not of the will of man nor of the flesh, but of the will of God. By the Spirit, something supernatural must happen in your heart. It's not a mind change. It's a heart change. You can come to church day in, day out and try to renew your mind on your own. You can try to think better thoughts. You can try to do better things. But unless you are changed from the inside out and get new spiritual DNA, you'll never be a child of God. Somebody say amen. amen. A lot of people can religious you, try to religious you into heaven, but it's never going to work because your nature is not changed. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit births in you the divine nature of your Father so that you can actually start to look like Him. We could religious you to death. And give you all the rules that there ever could be to live a holy life. And you would fail every single one all the time. Because your nature is not changed. And the born again experience is a new nature. It comes in. And that from the inside out we cry, Abba, Father. And then the fourth step would be that we are led by the Spirit of God. It says that we are born of the will of God. When the Spirit comes in and I get the new nature inside of me, that means that I now can do the things that my Father wants me to do. His nature inside of me, His DNA inside of me now produces the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the perseverance, that self-control that God has. It wasn't something I had. It's the DNA of my Father coming into me. Do you understand this this morning? Are you with me? Number one, you must be of your Father. You must be of Him to call Him Father. Let's look at Romans 8.12 real quick. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You must understand that verse 13 right there. A little study today. You cannot put to death the deeds of the flesh by the will of man or the effort of man. You can only put to death the deeds of the flesh by what? The Spirit. I don't stop smoking because I try harder. I stop smoking because the Holy Spirit empowers me to. I don't stop cussing because I try harder. I stop cussing and doing those things and talking negatively because the Holy Spirit moves on my life, changes my from the inside out. There's a difference. You can try to do it the other way, and sometimes it works. You can go through all the programs. You can do all the resources. You can mer- memorize all the Bible. You can turn the TV off. You can do all those things. But that's, that's good. But there's something better when the Holy Spirit said, inside of you said I don't even desire to do that thing anymore. I don't care about those movies anymore. I don't even want to hear that gossip anymore. I don't even care to participate in that conversation anymore. I don't even want to be around those types of people anymore because there's something new in me. I got my father in me. I'm of his spiritual DNA. It's not because some pastor told me to. It's because on the inside, I like being like my dad. I will look up to him. I emulate him. I want to be like him. Amen? You with me this morning? So be of Him. Verse 14, this is key. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are what? Sons of God. The end. I can quit today. Right there, we're done. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. If you're not, you are not. Black and white. So my question is, this week, were you led by God? Were you thinking about Him? What did God talk to you about this week? What did the Holy Spirit convict you of this week? Did you spend time with Him? Did you long to be with Him? Did you notice you're not the same person you used to be, that your nature is changing? You're growing up like your dad? Because if you're led by the Spirit, then you know for sure you're a child of God. You can call Him Dad. He's your dad, your Father who's in heaven. So number one, if you want to call God Father or Dad, you got to be of Him. You got to have His spiritual DNA inside of you. Number two, that's the beginning. It doesn't just stay there. Number two is you've know, got to be with Him. So number one, I got to be of Him. Number two, I got to be with Him. God desired to make Israel a special treasure. And when he pulls him out of Egypt, he tells him, I'm going to make this tabernacle in the midst of you. And in the middle of you, I want to dwell. I want to be all up in your business. I want to be in the middle of you. And so like a big family hug, I'm going to just be dwelling in you. And where you go, uh, I go. And where I go, you go. And there's going to be nothing unholy in you. And I'm just going to dwell in the middle of you. And that's what he wanted with the Holy Spirit. So Paul looks at this and he says, well, that's not what happened in Egypt. They had all kinds of problems. God barely was in the middle of them. And then he had to veil himself and only Moses could talk to him and all this other stuff. So he tells these new believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. It's on the screen. Unlike the wilderness experience where did not work, God has changed something up here. Remember, you're of Him. You've been born again. He's in you. So what happens? You must remain Excuse me, with Him. 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I'll dwell in them, walk among them, I'll be their God. See that desire? I'll dwell in them, I'll walk among them, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. So come out from their midst and be separate, separate to Him, says the Lord. God is not calling you away from the world so that you can be a comparison game to show the world how holy you are. Amen. God is calling you from the world to get alone with Him. Don't read that into religion. It's all about relationship in this passage. A lot of people want to read this passage about religion. This is what we don't do because we're not the world. No, no, no. This is what you don't do because you're with God. That's the difference. And so come out from their midst, be separate. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And here's the key verse, verse 18. I will what? Be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What is he saying there? I've put the Holy Spirit in you to be with you. So it's not about just being born again and being of him. He wants to be with you. Jesus got up often as a good son and showed us that he got up early in the morning, sometimes 3 a.m., to pray for hours just to be with his father. He said, even in Matthew, he says, now don't use meaningless reputations. God knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. Just ask him, call upon his name. He's a father to you. Be with him. Uh, We think about uh, those uh, in John chapter 14. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to have this relationship with you, teach you things. And so believers today, if you're born of him, you're with him. Jesus says, go pray in secret behind closed doors. God's going to hear you. Child of God, uh, it's in those alone times that no matter the pain or the problems of this world, you can find peace and love and hope and joy in God's presence. Are you with Him today? Are you with Him today? Do you love to be alone with Him today? If you love to be alone with God today, you can trust you're His child. So number one, you're born of Him. You're of Him, so... If you're of Him, you can call Him Father. If you're with Him, you can trust that you're God's child. Number three, you're under Him. Every child struggles with this, finding their identity and pushing the boundaries of their parents. And, you know, there's doesn't ever mean that we're not our, our parents' child. You know, uh, I, I discipline my daughter every week, every day, sometimes every hour. And, you know, three years old, it happens. And so it doesn't mean she's not my child. There's discipline there. But there will come a moment in time if a child fully rebels my authority, tells me they no longer love me, walks out of my house, says they can make it on their own, I'm going to let them leave because they're going to be their own God, they're going to be their own authority, and that's how they're going to live their life. I'll let them go because I can't make anybody love me and I can't make anybody obey me. They've got to willingly want to do it. That was Israel's problem. All the rules and all the relationship, all the regulations could never make them truly want to obey it was a heart of a child, a heart of one who loved God. And Paul, the apostle, says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, that it was because of the surpassing greatness of what Christ had done for him, how he saw God's love in Jesus Christ, he says, I willingly bow my knees before the Father. Willingly bow my knees before the Father. You know what? As a child, uh, now who has grown up, I just spent the weekend at my parents' house this weekend, and you know it's so nice when mom's cooking for you, and dad's mowed the yard, and you're just there, you can put your butt on that couch and watch TV, and everything's cool at mom and dad's house, because they're just going to take care of you, cook you those good green beans, smothered in bacon, you know, like, it's just nice. And sometimes as a 32-year-old man, man, wouldn't it be nice to go back and live with mom and dad sometimes? You know, just go back. All you didn't care about bills and regulations and things and responsibility, you could just get up, ride the four-wheeler, go fish, you know, just play in the yard, jump on some hay bales. You know, that's my childhood. You know, like, it was great, right? I love to be under the authority of my dad in heaven. Man, it's so good to know that he's got me. I sleep peacefully at night. When I know that my God has a plan for my life, that He governs my finances, He governs my affairs, He's rebuked the devourer for my sake, I want to live under His authority. I long to live under authority because I like it. I don't like being out there on my own trying to make it my own way, be my own man's man. I need a dad in heaven who's watching out for me. And so today you deal with authority issues. Man, just see how good it is to be in the house of the Lord. See how good it is to be in the family of God. Man, you get that car trouble. You're going through that issue. You're going through that. Dad, hey, can you help me? Take care of this for me. Be with me. Encourage me. Get my back on this. Amen. It's good to be under authority of God. Hebrews 12, 8 says, It's for discipline you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? So if you're without discipline, which above all of us have become partakers, then your illegitimate children... And not sons of God at all. If we don't get, if you're going to get convicted in this Christian life, and it's a good thing, okay. Some of us feel like when we get convicted, I wonder if I'm a kid of God or not. You get convicted and you go quickly to the altar and you got to repent and you become a kid again. No, no, no. Conviction is part of that Holy Spirit discipline in your life to remind you, hey, stay under authority, keep listening to God. You don't have to get saved every weekend. You get saved once, you become a child of God, and you keep working to stay under authority. My mom and dad whipped my butt more times than I even know. I was still their child every whipping. Right? They, they loved me. That's why they did it. Right? They grounded me. Some of you do that. That's okay. I don't care which one. You know. But they, they punished me. They disciplined me. Because they love me. God loves you. He's going to correct you. He's going to get on to you for that attitude. He's going to get on to you when you say something you shouldn't say, when you're looking at something you shouldn't look at, when you're doing something you shouldn't do. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means He wants you to get your butt and get back into the place where you should be. It's okay to be disciplined. Stay under the authority of God. La- uh, number four, you're for Him. So if you love to be disciplined by God, you're a child of God. Number four is you're for Him. You know, David was a guy like this. David was a guy like this. While Israel never really did get this sonship thing of God. David really kind of was the only one who really in the Old Testament you can say he got it. God actually called him a son. He was a king and he was a foreshadow of Christ. He'd be a type of what Christ would be, this perfect son that God longed for. And David, remember think about this guy named David. He goes out there and man, this giant is just tearing it up and cursing the living daylights out of God. And what does David do? This little bitty rugged boy goes out there and says, you're not going to talk about my daddy that way. That's basically what he did. I'm paraphrasing. This is the Heath translation, okay? You're not going to talk about my daddy that way. And then he goes, you come to me with all that stuff. I'm going to come to you in the power of my God, my dad. And he takes that giant out just in one shot, right? Some of us stick up more for our families on the earth than we do God. Somebody talk about your mom, your dad. You're going to roll your sleeves up. It's about to be go time, right? That's what we teach our kids in school. Unfortunately, you don't hit the first one, but you make sure you end it. That's a southern thing, I guess. All right? Uh-huh. We'll talk about that later. Uh, my father said turn the other cheek. But, uh, mm mm-hmm. How are we sticking up for God? I don't want to participate in those conversations. My dad didn't like it. I don't want to watch those movies. My dad didn't like it. I don't really care about those kind of things anymore because my dad didn't like it. You can talk about my dad all you want, but I know who my dad is. He's the great God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You can trash him on the news and television you want. Me and my dad, we're cool. He's awesome. I love him. I'm not afraid to shout it from the rooftops. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of salvation. It's the power. It's that power is in my God, my dad. And so think about that. Are you for him? Jesus said, What? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, but seek it first. Seek God's way first. Build Him up. David was not only just the giant, the little boy that took out a giant, David was the guy who built up God's kingdom, established the eternal throne, desired to build God a house and glorify His name. And David was quick to repent and keep on keeping on with God. And he could long for God. Even though David was the king of Israel, one of the first and best kings, the best king of Israel ever. You know one of the things about David that made him a man after God's own heart? that God was willing to call him a son and establish his throne forever, is that David never forgot God was king. Even though David had the title on earth, he remembered God in heaven keeps that authority. And so David's always for God. Jesus comes. He comes to do the will of his Father. He comes to establish his Father's will. He comes because his Father's will. He even says, God, if this can pass for me, but I want what? Your will to be done. And so Jesus is for God. How much are you? See, God's children are for him. God's children stand up for him. God's children tell about him. God's children are not ashamed of him. They don't hide their Christianity in the workroom, in the break room. They don't hide their Christianity at school. They stand up for their God because that's their dad. Are you standing up for your dad today? I'm not telling you to go out and get in trouble and be in fights. Don't get in a fight because you love Jesus. That's not what your dad wants. Love the world like he loved them. Be willing to die for them like he died for them. Speak truth when other people are not. So you're of him, you're with him, you're under him, and you're for him. And if you do all that, you'll receive from him. I'm going to say that again. Why would we do all this? God's a rewarder of His children, and this is on the screen today. This is something you should write down. Those who have been born of Him, who go with Him, who remain under Him and live for Him, can be sure to receive from Him. If you're born of Him, if you go with Him, if you remain under Him, if you stand for Him, you can receive from Him. That's how you know you're a child of the Most High God. You're going to receive from him. Here, this is the good news today. Scripture tells us this: if you belong to Christ, Galatians three twenty nine, you're going to be an heir of his promise. It says if you have the Spirit of God within you, you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, an heir through God, Galatians four seven, he promises to give you a home in his eternal kingdom. Luke twelve thirty two. He says you'll be an heir of the hope of eternal life. Titus three seven. And through Christ, you can overcome the evil one. John first John two thirteen. And it says this in Psalms one oh three. Our God, the Father, promises everlasting loving kindness. He promises everlasting forgiveness. He promises everlasting compassion and everlasting righteousness to all His children. Do you not have a good Father who is in heaven? If you are of Him, if you stay with Him, if you keep under Him, and if you tell the world for Him, you can receive from Him. That's the good news. And here's the catch, though. Some of you have today... And in the world today, you say, well, Pastor Heath, I can't do all that. I'm having hard enough time just making it through my week today. I'm having a hard enough time breaking this sin ha- issue in my life. I, I have trouble thinking this way or saying this way or doing this thing. I, my life is a wreck. You know what? I don't do all of that stuff to be a child of God. I do all of that stuff because I am a child of God. It all flows out of the born-again experience. You can't live with God if you're not born again. You can't live under God if you're not born again. You can't speak for God if you're not born again. It all comes out of the Holy Spirit DNA living in your heart that longs to be with Him, that longs to be under Him, that longs to be for Him and, and boldness that comes out of you because the Holy Spirit DNA is inside of you. And if you have that, then you will be a child of God. You cannot do a child of God. You cannot uh, work at being somebody else's kid, okay? You either are their kid or you're not. If I show up at your house and I put on your kid's clothes and I start drinking what they drink and doing what they do, it doesn't make me their, your kid, does it? I'm swinging on their swing set outside and I just call you dad all the time. It's kind of a weird image. But it's true. That's what so many people do. They come to church. They put on the church clothes. They pay their church tithes. They do all the churchy stuff. But they've never been truly changed from the inside out. And they wonder why I don't have peace, I don't have love, I don't feel joy, I don't have power over sin, I don't have the boldness to evangelize or speak all these things. It's because you've never been changed from the inside out. You've got to be born again. You've got to have your dad's DNA inside and you've got to work it out. You grow up as a three, you start out at zero, you work to one, two, three, three years of age, four years of age, five. Some of us have been at it a longer time. We're going to get better at the discipline thing. We're going to get better at it being a I don't, I don't have rebellious problems with my parents anymore. My mom and dad don't have to spank me anymore. My mom doesn't have to slap me in the mouth when I talk back anymore. You know, I don't get grounded anymore. I've grown up. I love their authority. I love being with my parents. I love spending time with them. And along the way, God's going to be patient with you as you figure some of these things out. doesn't mean you're not saved. Just keep living for Him and with Him and under Him, okay? You're with, you're with me this morning. Somebody say Amen. Okay. I'm just going to have our worship team come back this morning. Maybe you're a wayward son or daughter today, and I want you to know you've got a choice. You can be like the children of this world, the children of the devil, or you can be a child of God. You may fight the struggles of the things of this world, but you can be born again with a new nature, Christ will give you the power to do His will, and you'll receive an internal inheritance. And it's not doing all these things to be a child of God. It's because we are children of God that we do all these things. It's not about what you do, it's about who He's made you to be. I'm going to challenge you today, if sin is controlling you, if sin is no longer bothering you, if you're rejecting God's authority in your life, if you don't love spending time with Him, if you don't have a passion to build His kingdom, you're not God's child. But you can be born again. You can have a new divine nature. You can receive adoption as son or daughter. You can be empowered by His Spirit. You can be of Him, with Him, under Him, and for Him. And you can receive from Him. God had told Israel, long ago in Jeremiah 3.22, he said, Return, O faithless sons. I'll heal your faithlessness. I'll heal your faithlessness. You can't do it without His help. You need God, His DNA in you to be a child of God. Some of us are Christians and we're struggling. Let God discipline you. Some of you have fallen away from this intimate communion with him, get in love with your father again. Draw in near to him and he'll draw near to you. He loves to spend time with you. Get alone with him. Make it a priority in your life. You know, good families don't just happen by accident. They happen because there's intentional time, family time set apart in good families. You want to be a good family with God? Set a time. Be with him. Before him. Be under him. Receive from him. Father, we are here today sitting in this room by your grace.